The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. He's like, oh, we're going, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And then all of a sudden, the Lord's like, now. And I just tell him what God wants to tell him. And then, so a very personal message to him from God. Yes, and what I do is scary because I don't know what I'm saying. And then after it was over, he goes, you're getting on this flight, right? I went, yes. And I'm like, oh no, security, this is not good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I said. He so, may be getting you off this flight. Exactly, here, exactly. Right. Next, hear Hubie Sin's extraordinary tales of a wandering prophet. Today, I'm Randy Robinson. Sheila Walsh is with me. I'm excited about this I show. I am too, because I have a question for you guys. When I say prophet, what do you think of? Do you think of an accountant? Probably not. Probably not? No, probably not. But that's what we have today. We have an accountant who operates in what we would call prophecy, even though he's a little, a little shy to the term. Would you welcome Hubie Sin? <laughs> and, yeah. Your last name is Sin. We'll get right by that. Um, that's just the name you were born with. Right? Yes. There's, there's nothing inherent in the uh, in the name. What is important, though, is your your book and the stories you tell. This is called The Tales of a Wandering Prophet, and I have read this entire book. And I got to tell you, um, it's one of the more interesting reads uh, that I've had. Same for you, I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. I read it cover to cover, and. You know, the thing, I love the way you begin your book because you begin with what is, for me, a very familiar scenario. You're flying, your flight gets canceled, you're tired, you're cranky, you're trying to get coffee, and then you get this prompting to talk to somebody and you've no idea who they are. Take us through that scenario, because that was fascinating to me. <laughs> okay, well, I, um, I was supposed to fly on a Friday. And then there was a driving rainstorm, so my flight got bumped to Saturday, so I wasn't happy. It's in October, which October 15th is a major deadline for accountants. Mm. <laughs> so I'm kind of dealing with that, so I was gonna fly to see my sister for just a weekend and fly back, so I lost a day. So mm. um, I took the first flight out, I landed in Charlotte. I went to get some coffee, because I didn't sleep. And I come back and the place is filled with people. So I'm looking around and I'm just like, well, I'm tired, I wanna sit down. And there's, there's only one seat next to the window, which, you know, the big windows with the sun comes in. So you can't necessarily catch a nap or anything. So I go and I sit down and there's kind of like a broken chair here and then there's a guy sitting there. And I sit down, I got my headphones on with music and I'm just like, I'm gonna drink my coffee, relax. And all of a sudden the Lord just starts to nudge me. So he nudges me and I look over and I see this man all dressed in black he looks like an Orthodox Jewish person. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's telling me I gotta talk to him, so I kinda have this conversation like something's wrong. I, I can't talk to this guy. He doesn't, he doesn't see you like I do. He's waiting for you. I know you came around. <laughs> so, so. This ain't gonna work, Lord. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, uh, you know, I'm kinda not sure what to do. Not only that, I don't feel well. So I'm just kinda like, you know, when God tells you to do something and you don't wanna do it, that's the way I was feeling. So I was like, I really don't wanna do this. I'm just. I turned my, my uh, iPod even louder thinking I can drown out God, which doesn't work. Nice try. <laughs> right. So then, uh, you know, I look over because I'm, I guess I'm trying to check this out just because um, I really feel the Lord pressing me. So I look over again and he has a book like this 
And so I kind of lean over and, you know, kind of yawning type of thing. And, and he was reading a book, Proverbs. So I was like... It doesn't tell you much, does it? It doesn't tell me much. It's Old Testament. <laughs> right. it's, you know. So then um, I, I'm like, Lord, something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. And my stomach is starting to kind of feel pains, like turning. So I nudge again, and, and the man is in his seat, and he's like this. You know, like, I've never been to Israel, but that's the way the ascetic people mm. pray. The Orthodox mm. pray. So I was like, okay, right. something is definitely wrong. So then finally the Lord's like, you really need to talk to him. You really need to. So I was like, you know what? What have I got to lose? So I just took out my headphones because God wasn't going to give me rest. I took off my headphones. I, I turned to the guy like then just stared at him. And, you know, when somebody's staring at you, you kind of know. So he's <laughs> just, he turns to me like this, and I say, so what's a good word? And we started a conversation. So we started this conversation, and... You know, what do you do, what do you do, type of thing. And we didn't think much of it. They call us to go to our flight. So then he's like, oh, we're going. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And then all of a sudden the Lord's like, now. So I was like, Jonathan's getting up and tells him to sit down. And I just tell him what God wants to tell him. And then, So very personal message to him from God. Yes, and what I do is scary because I don't know what I'm saying. So when people kind of look at you like... <laughs> and then they kind of turn their head like this. You're not really sure how they're going to take it. And then after it was over, he goes, you're getting on this flight, right? I went, yes. And I'm like, oh, no, security, this is not good. He may be getting you off this flight. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. So then he said, when I come up, I'm going to come find you, and you need to tell me again. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And he said, yes, I'm going to come find you. So we go up, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he'll miss me. I'm in the aisle seat because that's the, the seat I like. So he comes down, and I see him. He takes me to the back. He goes, let's go to the back. I'm like, it's a crowded plane. Where are we going? So we go to the back, and there's two seats. We sit down in the seats. He pulls down a tray table, and he goes, okay, tell me again. And I'm like, I don't have anything. He goes, but you have to. I'm like, I can't. So he goes, let's start praying. So we start praying. I start praying in tongues, and people around us are kind of looking at us funny. And, right. and then it all came back, and it all had to do with this book that God had downloaded to him called The Harbinger. Now, had you ever met him before? Did you know who he was? Um, my wife and I used to listen to a radio show called The Two Nice Jewish Boys <laughs> 30 years before. So I kind of knew once he said he was still doing that show, mm -hmm. but I didn't really, uh, I never met him. I never really put two and two together mm -hmm. until afterwards. So a couple of questions come to mind in your story, which is like one of those stories that you tell and people go, whoa, because what you said to Jonathan Kahn came true and yes. that he sold a book that, or he, he wrote a book that impacted millions of people, correct? Yes, yes. Few things. Uh, one, you, you seem reluctant. Yes. Uh, and, and you even talk about the, uh, you wanting to maybe, or someone calling you the reluctant prophet, I think Jim Baker called yes. you that. Yeah. But yet you are willing to be used by God and, and I would you know, assume wanting to be used by God. Yeah. Where does the reluctance come from in that? Uh, the reluctance comes from the fact that uh, we had gone to a prophetic church for a while. And my wife was pregnant. And we got called to the front. And they, the, the pastor prayed over the baby and said, the baby's going to be healthy. The baby's going to has a destiny. The baby has this and this and this and this. And then we went home. And then a couple of weeks later, my wife started to cramp. Hmm. And so my wife got scared because we've never had a problem having. This would have been our the fourth child. The fourth child. Mm -hmm. And we never had a problem. But we were, we were approaching later in years. So um, I, she's like, honey, I think something's wrong. I'm like, don't worry. We're going to be fine. Because I had full faith in this based upon what had happened before. 
And then she's like, honey, it's, it's getting worse. I go, honey. So she's getting fearful. I go, honey, don't let fear creep in. We're fine. We're, we're praying. She goes upstairs and she comes down the stairs and she's looking all white. And she goes, we lost the baby. Wow. And um, I didn't know how to react. I got dazed. I got numb. I was just in shock because I, I, you know, we were told this and now this happens. I don't know what to, I don't know how to process. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go back to that pastor who prophesied over you and said, you know, you told us this, but here's what happened? Uh, we never did. Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, we kept quiet yeah. and didn't say anything because I was like, well, I guess it's our problem. I'm dealing with it. And, and it hurt us so much that we stayed out of church for about a year. Wow. That we just said, forget this. Mm -hmm. And God kind of brought us back, but I had a very deep wound. I took it harder than my wife. Mm -hmm. So... Um, not to diminish what she took, but it no. just it seemed to get it, it me hit harder. you in your faith as well. It hit me in my faith. Were, so. were you operating in any prophetic role at the time that this happened? No. So this was someone else, you know, that was speaking prophetic words to you. You thought to be true, they were not true, and that hurt beyond just the obvious pain, but deep spiritual level. Yeah. Yes, because you know when you're on a on a missionary trip, which we I was going on earlier. And you saw God move, it was just, you put all your faith, okay, this is God, this is God. Right, right. And there was once when the prophetic thing kind of happened when I was praying for somebody, but I didn't know what it was. Right. But when that happened and then this happened, it was devastating. Because it was like my son was sick with eczema and uh, a really bad eczema. And, you know, she called him up and said, look, the Lord has healed him, which didn't happen because we had to take him to the, air, to the um, hospital and they gave him steroids to, to right, go in. Right. And then there was a house we were in closing for. And the way it worked at this church was you had to clear with the pastor first. So the pastor came, she prayed over, and she goes, yes, this is the house for you. And then through no fault of ours, somebody outbid us and took the house. So mm -hmm. we had these three things happen so quickly. I was like, I don't know about any of this. So I just, let's take a step back and, you know, live our lives as regular people. So we did. So. Um, you know, we're going out to eat on Sundays. We're, we're just spending time as a family, and God is somewhere in the background. We know of him, but, and then about a year passed, and he kind of called us back, and then, you know, I started doing what I do, but I didn't know what I was doing. So, <laughs> so, so, so had I known, I, I don't know if I would have. Well, I mean, there had, something had to have changed. If I'd been burned that bad, and then I thought God was saying, now I want you to be that guy, you know, that's out giving out prophecies or whatever, speaking prophetic words or speaking on my behalf, anything like that, I'd be like, God, no way. You gotta you use a donkey or something, right? But I've been burned by that. I'm not using that. How did you get to a place of healing or restoration? Was there something in there that, that brought you to be able to, to go out on a limb like that? Well, at first it got to the point where we would watch television and we would see the televangelist because we were still in the safety of our home. Right. And then we took a step out to start going to a church and we went to a mega church and hung out in the back, didn't know anybody. And so we were kind of very playing it very conservatively, because then as an accountant, they teach you to be very conservative. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, uh, we went to a friend's church, he invited us, we went, and they were prophetic, because it came out of the old church. Mm -hmm. And anytime any prophet person came, they would pray for my wife, and I'm like, just stay away from me. Just. Mm -hmm. And for a long time they did. And then they started giving me ones like, they would look at me funny and they would just go, there's greatness in you. Mm -hmm. And you know, that was fine. But when you keep getting that over and over again from different people, you're not really sure what it means. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, well, God lives in my heart and so he's great. Yeah, so, sure. yeah. And I was fine with that. And then 
I guess as we started to kind of get restored, we read a book called The Bait of Satan. Yeah, oh, sure. And um, that a friend just sent it to us, didn't even tell us it was coming. He goes, you need to read this. Mm -hmm. So we read that. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of started to say, okay, well, let's just go uh, at this at a short period of time. So we started to go little by little by little. And then the way God kind of started is it's kind of like, oh, you need to talk to this person. And then I didn't know what it was, but it was kind of like I just felt I needed to talk to you. So I'd mm -hmm. go talk to you and, mm -hmm. and then something would come out and you would cry. You would say, how did you know? And I would be like, well, you know, you, you would start making a big deal about it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, you're following God. I'm trying to follow God. We're both getting through this together. That's all that needs to be done. And I would leave. Mm -hmm. And that went on for quite a few years. I honestly think, Hubie, it gives so much more credibility isn't the right word, but to, to what God has called you to, because you are reluctant. You know, it's not like you're on the road with prophets or us. Right. No, it's just, <laughs> right. it's not like that. It's something, but I love the fact that despite the brokenness and the pain to your wife, you're still willing right. to be open. And, and I'm thinking of people watching, thinking, well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, and, and I don't have this kind of thing. But when I read your book, you didn't have a great start in life. You had a really rough start in life. Yes. And I think when I see where you are today, to me it's an encouraging message to anybody that God will use us if we're open to be used. Yes. And I think that for myself, I value my family very high. And when we went through so many struggles, I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just take care of my family. I really didn't realize, to be honest, what I was saying. But um, it turned out to be this. So that's why God... It's kind of taken my free will away, which is fine. And uh, it gives me my check because I really know when he wants me to speak to somebody. What do you say to that one who's watching, who stumbled by this show and thought, oh, they got a prophet on, and they're where you were at. They might have been burned or they're just, they're not going to church, but they're watching Christian TV. What would you say to that person? I would say that um, I personally know what it's like to hurt. Mm -hmm. I cried. I felt like they pulled the rug from me and I hit my head and just went dazed for a little while. And I think if you just give God a try again and say, okay, I'll meet you halfway, not full way, halfway. Meet me halfway and show me that you love me, that you care for me, and, and I'll start to move along, but give me something to hold on to. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's And great. he will. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, anybody watches knows, I'm a huge football fan, I'm a huge NFL <laughs> fan, college football. You tell a fascinating story in there <laughs> yeah. about a New York giant, Dave and Tyree. Yep. Do you mind just telling a little bit about that story? Because I thought this yeah. was just amazing. It became a Super Bowl the first. Catch. The, the catch. catch. The helmet, the helmet catch. catch. Yep. Um, well, I had, uh, basically, I was working in a fashion company and doing very well and God told me to quit because it took too much of my time. My family life was a mess. My godly life was a mess because everything was in the fashion company. So he told me to scale down my hours and basically what is important in your life. So I, I resigned, which I was pretty uneasy to tell my wife because I didn't have a job. So they decided to keep me on as a CPA, which is because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And then I met a financial guy who we were doing some stuff together. So he had a client named David Tyree. So the Lord kind of, you know, I went to the guy's house. I met him for a couple of minutes and then we left. And then the Lord just had me start praying for this guy. Now, I I'm a Jet fan. We don't like the Jets. <laughs> oh, that's a conflict of spiritual interest Exactly, there, yes. exactly. So, the Lord had me praying for this guy, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he believed in. So I'm praying for the man. The Lord's getting me restless at night. I um, can't sleep. So then 
you know, I'm, I'm at the office one day and the Lord's like, you need to call him. And I'm like, I can't call him. You know, it's not going to work. I, you know, there's a line. I'm a, he's a client. Uh, you know, I, I can't cross that line. So the Lord really got on me really bad. I couldn't sleep well. My stomach is turning. I get so uneasy, so uncomfortable all the time. I was like, okay. So I, I went, I grabbed the number from the Rolodex, put it in my pocket and said, okay, I'm going to call the guy, but I'm going to call him on a Friday. Because if something happens, I have the weekend to kind of deal Covers. with this. Right, exactly. So at least I have a couple of days to do something with it. So I went downstairs on a Friday night. I think it was like 8.30. My wife goes, where are you going? Because I grabbed the phone. And she's like, I go, I got to make a phone call. I didn't even tell her what I was doing. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> right. So I go down and I'm dialing it. And like my hands are shaking because I've never done this before. I'm like shaking. So then the phone is ringing. It rings once. It rings twice. And I was like, okay, just let it go to voicemail. I'm done. Because... The uneasiness is still there, but I didn't know what I was doing. So, okay. So then he goes, uh, praise the Lord. Hello. Actually, he goes, no, hello. This is David. And I went, hi. And he goes, yes. And I went, um, this is Hubie. He goes, who? <laughs> I said, uh, Hubie, the accountant. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing, man? How you doing? I said, I'm okay. Uh, I just wanted to call you because I got something to tell you. Now, I'm shaking in my basement. My hands are like this. My voice is stuttering. I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, it just kind of comes through. And, and the Lord told him that he was going to, you know, his life was going to change. He was going to give him a platform. He was going to make him known as a wide receiver and, and, a, and a few other things. And he'd been going through some tough times as a player. He wasn't at the top of his career at this point. Right. right. It, was, it, yeah. was, it was later. Yeah. yeah. And so... And everybody knew him as a special teams guy. Right, not, not, right. He not, was not, not a, a receiver. Yeah. He was mm. one of the fourth fizz on the So then came right. this deadly silence. And I'm like, this is, this is bad. This is, this is a mistake. This is... And he goes, you know, you, you, you answered a lot of questions. My wife and I were praying last night. Wow. Mm. And as we were praying, you answered all the questions we had. Wow. And I went, Ooh, okay. Thanks, God, for getting me out of <laughs> yes. that one, right? And he said, uh, we really need to, I don't know who you are really, but we need to <laughs> kind of get to know each other and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and who knew that the prophecy he got would actually be, you know, highlighting whatever, what the effect was from him making the catch, catch. in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a helmet catch. It is a Super Bowl record. Nobody yeah. has ever done this. It's a miraculous catch. It's it a is. miraculous it's catch. I mean, it's ridiculous. Cannot, you physically can't do that. Wow. And, later. Yeah, what did you think when you saw that? When you were watching the game, right? I Even love that God fan? cares about football, don't yeah. you? <laughs> I love that. So you felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to watch the Super Bowl, yes? The day of, <laughs> my wife that? and I had this jumping in our chest we've mm. never felt before. Mm. And so we're watching it, and he scored the touchdown, uh, I guess, near halftime. And we're like, oh, that's okay. Right. And then we're watching it, and then when Eli went back to throw the pass, I yelled, it's to David. Now, I didn't really know, but I just yelled, it's for David. And then when he made the catch, we were all just jumping around like, that's it. That's what God wanted to do. Yeah. That's what he wanted yeah. to do. And then, you know, he called us the next day and said, thank you, and can you believe what God did? And, and, and he gave God credit after yes. the game. And yes. that's, I remember that, going, yes. oh, hey, that's cool. You yes. know? So very good stuff. Uh, I tell you what, we could continue because there are more stories. There's um, a lot of insight. But I'm going to have to ask you to get the book because we're out of time right now. <laughs> if you will join with us in, in our effort to bless others around the world, specifically people who are in desperate need in the sex trafficking, caught up in the sex trafficking um, industry. You, you can get this book today. I would urge you to do that. Uh, just tell you what, sit down for a minute and take a look at what we're doing and how you can be a part of changing some people's lives. Watch this.
It's the currency of dreams, the fuel for life. And while hope is a treasured quality, like anything valuable, it's often exploited by those with selfish intentions. I honestly don't think anything in life prepares you for what you see here. I mean, I've just spent the evening walking through the red light district here. Part of the process of how they dehumanize these girls is that they take away any hope. One of the girls said, um, I was told if I tried to escape from this brothel, what they told me was, okay, you go ahead, you escape. We know where your eight-year-old sister lives. But honestly, when I look at their faces, I think that could be my daughter. That could be your daughter. So you need to see beyond what's painted on the surface to a broken heart underneath. None of these girls wants to be here. There's a big plan in place for every girl to get them out of here and to get them to a place of safety, a place where they can begin to rebuild their lives again. But don't be overwhelmed by the streets. Don't be overwhelmed by the lights. Don't be overwhelmed by the number of girls. See one girl. See one girl who needs help and who needs hope and who needs it right now. It's unbelievable. And some people said to me when I came home, well, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just get out of there? If you knew the way that these men manipulate these girls, they have it down to really a fine art, the way they demoralize them and break them down. They don't feed them, they don't let them sleep. And then they'll take one of the girls outside of the room and she's never seen again. And basically the message is, if you don't do what we want you to do, that's gonna happen to you. They threaten their families. They break their wills down. They, they get them addicted to drugs. And there's such hopelessness there. And when I was walking there, it was so clear to me that, that Christ would be on these streets. He would be the one reaching out his hand. He would be the one speaking to those girls and telling them you're worth more. You know, one of the places I went into, the, the further back I went, it changed from girls with skimpy outfits to some girls with nothing on at all, but a number stamped onto her leg. And that's how they would be ordered. I'll take number five. One of the things we know is that in God's sight, no girl, no boy, no man or woman is a number. Mm -hmm. They are made in the image of God. And even though I felt the desperation of the darkness, I saw such hope. I saw such hope. I saw what happens when the people that we work with go in there and rescue these girls and bring them to a place in Southeast Asia where they can recover their lives, discover that God did hear their prayers, that they have a future, that the, your history doesn't dictate your destiny in Christ, that anything is possible, but we can't do it alone. And Randy, we have some friends who've said, listen, we're gonna partner with you. We're gonna put up a gift of $200,000, a matching gift. Yeah. Yeah, and they're doing that matching to motivate you. You know, when you're talking about the evil and what's going on in, in these places, and I've, I've been there, I've seen some of it too. If you've been in the church very long, you've heard this phrase, the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, you know, gates are defensive. Gates are not offensive. You won't see gates marching down the street taking people prisoners. Gates are meant to defend. You know what that means? They only prevail when we don't bash them down. And this is how we bash down the gates of hell. This is how we go in and rescue those who need to be rescued. 
We want you to join with us as we go into these dark areas with the light of Jesus Christ, because he can break down every wall. He can set every captive free. The way we're asking you to join with us today is in your prayers, and if God prompts it, in your finances. $64, you can partner with someone else and with a matching gift, and that's the average cost of the operations to go get people out. So for $128, we say you can help rescue two girls, or two, maybe boys actually, yeah. isn't it? But the point is, you join with us as we are going into these dark areas. You join with us as we share the life of God, the love of God, the truth of God, the saving power and grace of God. But as we go into these dark areas, these, these beyond, behind the gates of hell, we reach in and we pull these people out. Give them love and give them life. Will you go to the phone and join us? Will you go online and help? Do what you can and do it right now. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore their lives and give them a future. And now a generous opportunity of a $200,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you James Robison's new book, Living Amazed, How Divine Encounters Can Change Your Life. As you read these inspiring stories, you'll learn how to live amazed in the presence of God 24 hours a day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll receive James' new book, along with the companion Amazed Journal, so you can record accounts in your own life where you are amazed at God's goodness. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful new Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. I hope you are going to the phones, going online. When you have someone who operates, operates in the prophetic, you have to ask, is there anything you want to say before we say goodbye? <laughs> yes, I just want to say that uh, you, you're special to God. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has callings. And if you just step out in it, He'll meet you, and then life will get very different, and it'll get fun. Amen. Let's accept that. Love Thank that. you, Hubie Sin. Appreciate you being here. Do ask for Hubie's book when you join with us in Rescue Life. Join us again online today, every day.
there's a chasm of difference between what we need and what our culture tells us we need, or even worse, deserve. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.